Hey everyone, welcome to the industry show. I'm your host, Nitin Bajaj. And joining me today is my very good friend, Shruti Rao. Shruti, welcome on the show. Thank you, Nitin. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is all ours. So let's get started with who is Shruti? Well, that's a fully loaded question. Shruti is a first generation immigrant from a small town in India, from Mysore, southern part of India. I'm a mother, I'm a builder, uh, entrepreneur, a deal maker, and now a founder. Um, we just, my, my co-founder Tim Wagner and I founded uh, Vendia. Vendia is a serverless distributed application platform. We started with a seed raise of 5 million last June, and we just, you know, two weeks ago, finished our, completed our C series A round and we ended up raising 15 million. So we're very excited um, to tell our story and tell my story with you. And, and, you know, I've known you for a while and I'm not surprised by the success, but by any standard, it's, it's a phenomenal story going from seed to series A in as quick as you guys have. So many congratulations once again, really happy for you. Thank you. So tell us a little more about Wendia, the, you know, what are you guys setting out to do and, you know, at the scale and, and also the why? Yeah, that's the most important thing, the why and how did we come up here and why did we choose this as the problem, uh, problem space to work, after, work on. So my, my co-founder, a little bit of a history is my co-founder, Tim Wagner, started the serverless movement, founder of uh, Lambda for AWS. It's one of the most widely used service at AWS. A lot of companies were born because of the serverless movement. Um, we met at AWS. I was his business development lead, scaling serverless. Then he went to Coinbase and I started the blockchain category for AWS. Mm -hmm. While I ran that business for AWS, I met 1,092 unique customers. I know I counted as a true Amazonian data-driven company. I counted, people ask me that all the time. That was exactly. Look, these customers, everything from auto to, to let's say oil and gas to airline, um, CPG, everyone in between, they were saying the same things for, for why they were looking to use blockchain, which was they were saying, Look, we've invested in all of these data making mechanisms, IoT, mobile, edge, digital transformation. They were making data at a faster rate than had they had ever done in, the, in their own lifetimes or their mm -hmm. company's lifetimes, right? Which is true for any company you look mm -hmm. at. And any big company has partners. So they're also making all of this data. With this uh, AI, ML analytics uh, wave of this coming in, all of these company, companies had invested in some of this, these technologies, except the data that they were making was getting stuck in silos. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a partner silo, sometimes it's their own company silos, you know, some of their processes on Azure, some it's on GCP, some, it's on, some of it is on AWS or on-prem. So they didn't have access to all of the data that they were making in real time to do something with it. To do something could be supply chain optimization, tracking and tracing to find defects. It could be settling some airline transactions or loyalty points. So they were looking at blockchain as a solution and almost everyone 
has heard that blockchain is expensive, it's complicated, it's slow, it's not production rate. So Tim and I said, how can we make it easy for customers to use and share data internally and across partners without worrying about all of this infrastructure? So our vision and what our customers are using today is, you know, you walk up to a database and you say, you don't need to know how the database works. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a database admin or a developer to see how it works. You know, you say create table and come up with how the table looks and then voila, the database makes you, the database gives you one table in one account in let's say one cloud. So you walk up to Vendia and you say, create or create a particular stack. We create compute storage and database for you for multiple parties in multiple accounts across multiple clouds. The easiest way I explain is we are an on-demand cross-cloud plumbing. <laughs> we are the plumbing for your data and we get you the data in real time so you can do something with it. What you do is totally up to you. Yep. And, you know, when, when I first heard this, it kind of blew my mind that this is not already possible, right? And, and when you shared that with me, uh, that there is so much investment going on, mm -hmm. but the value is stuck and you're right. helping, you know, get that value out there. And no wonder, you know, the, the phenomenal success in the adoption, both from, from a product perspective, but also from a funding perspective. So tell us a little more about the, you know, who are you working with at this point in terms of unlocking the value of this data? Yeah, uh, we have quite a few customers. We have multiple multi-year contracts with these customers. Uh, one of the things that we can all resonate with is this, this animal welfare conglomerate called Best Friends Animal Society. They are a nonprofit. Uh, what they do is they work with 2,500 shelters in the US, um, make sure that the dogs and the cats that are coming in are placed in homes, ensure that they are not euthanized, are not killed because of overcapacity in these shelters. If a dog is lost, they help the dog get back to its owner or get them readopted if no one comes to claim them. So their mission is no kill by 2025. Mm -hmm. No animal, dog, cat, horse, rabbits should not be euthanized because of human neglect. That is their mission. Now let's look at these 2,500 partners that they have, right? These are shelters, foster care homes, veterinarian, folks like that who may or may not have an IT department. I will tell you, most of them don't have an IT department. Yeah. Um, also, they don't have a budget to, to mm -hmm. get this expensive ERP-like software. Best Friends Animal Society does, but not their partners. Mm -hmm. Now, also, if you look at these shelters, who is working there? Volunteers. So you may work for four hours in a year. You may work for 400 hours in a year. Mm -hmm. There is no rhyme or reason when someone will come in and go out. So any technology that uh, is developed should be very easily accessible by these low or no tech partners. It has to be based on not some multi-million dollar contract, but mm -hmm. pay as you go format because services that we offer for a week. And then all of a sudden that particular week they have, you know, let's say 50 dogs or cats that come in that needs mm -hmm. to be. So 
have to be to this particular uh, network, then it has to scale up or down very effectively. So just in under a month, Best Friends Animal Society was able to establish this network of these partners that they have, get a very lightweight app, a mm-hmm. mobile app going. So if someone, animal welfare worker, finds a dog or a cat on a street, it's very easy for them to put input the details of the dog, their picture, the RFID maybe, if they have a, if they have a dog or a cat collar, details on that and help uh, get data from other shelters as well on demand in real time so that dog or cat can be, you know, the owner can be found out who the owner is and returned to the owner or effectively placed. Another very noble thing they also do is if they find out that from the data and going through a, a ML model that they run, if they find out a particular shelter is getting to overcapacity and some animals need to be euthanized, what they do is they find other shelters that are that have availability to move the dogs and cats, thereby saving more animals. So now, look, just by having some extra data in real time, so many animals are being saved. So this is my favorite story. We have customers in automotive, airline industry as well um, that 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 have some innovation. But this, as a dog mom, this is yes. very close to my heart. And it's such a beautiful story. And what resonates with me coming from a the tech side of the world is that you know you picked a really good example of these volunteers coming in and out right they're there one day they're not there the other day and if they're able to pick this up and maintain the consistency it has to work with the more traditional forms of having dedicated teams and people working on something so that's again kudos to the to you to build the product for these kind of use cases now, tell us something about, you know, what is the biggest challenge you and your team are facing? You know, it's a very interesting question because for a young startup, we're, we're slightly under a year young, mm-hmm. um, the biggest challenge would be recruiting or getting sales. Thankfully, uh, with the, with the, we're very mission driven. So recruiting has been pretty straightforward for us so far. Um, the biggest problem though, is when we, the ability to execute on the volume of deals coming in, as you said, this problem has existed since the Roman empires, right? Mm-hmm. When Julius Caesar wanted to know where the particular corn came from, he asked a guy who asked a guy who asked another guy. Mm-hmm. And then finally they found out it was a human chain, a human connected network. So this problem has existed. There are a lot of other forms of you know, ERP-based solutions. If you are two big companies and you can afford a multi-million dollar contract, you're set. Mm-hmm. You already have a solution. But if you have a partner who is, let's say, logistics partners, trucking, delivery folks, you have warehouse workers, anyone who's low or no tech partners, then effectively you're left out. You have the Swiss cheese with holes in them. Mm-hmm. Our biggest challenge right now or the opportunity, if you look at it from the opposite side, is the volume of deals that we are coming in. And since we are a uh, early stage startup, we are scrambling to execute on all the deals. So mm-hmm. there are more deals that we've held off than we have closed on, mostly because we're time constrained. Right. Good problem to have, but problem nonetheless. Yes. 
True. And, you know, I also, my next question is really, what is the biggest opportunity? You alluded to it, but is there something that you guys are really looking forward to? You know, it's, your company is very mission driven, but I'm curious to know if there is a, a further division in terms of an opportunity that you guys are looking to uh, tackle. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Look, uh, when blockchain became this, this big thing in 2017, when Bitcoin prices went up, they're back again now, but when the yep. Bitcoin prices went up, a lot of companies got started on, hey, we are X for distributed data. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these companies have a lot of promise. Decentralized finance, where you need data from multiple parties. Uh, decentralized, you know, insurance management, something to the effect of there is a, I'll give you an example. There is a startup that is using Vendia today. Uh, what they do is they uh, act, they get data from weather, CCTV cameras, traffic signals, um, other connected cars, take all of the data and then assess the propensity of fault. Hmm. That could not have been done without a distributed data sharing platform. Traditional blockchains are just not fast enough to get that kind of mm -hmm. data. And you need to be able to support any kind of data, not just you know, scalar data, right? So the opportunity here is there is a very easy, quick, you know, easy, fast and fun way mm -hmm. for the startups to build on a distributed data economy with what we're doing. And that's one of the uh, most important things for us, apart from the top down kind of a sales motion, we're a startup, we, we owe it to our investors to keep the revenue going, but it's also important to help the other startups go to market faster rather than build all of this infrastructure. So that's, that's I would say, is the number one opportunity we're looking to capitalize yeah. on. Very exciting. Is there a lesson learned or a success example that you would want to share with us? Lesson learned success example, yes. Uh, the one of the most beautiful things about being in a startup, uh, especially in a startup where we are creating a new category, because if you if you talk to people and say, oh, where would you put us? Are we a database? Yes, but you're also something else. Uh, are we a code sharing platform? Yes, but you're also something else, which also means that talking to investors was especially difficult. COVID did not help us <laughs> having to do all of this on Zoom, but going to a customer and say, saying, look, we came up with this thesis where we're gonna essentially build a serverless distributed application platform. And also let me tell you, it was not as elegant when we started. Uh, we, we used to list out features as opposed to the outcomes to the investors. Uh, the biggest lesson learned for us is to go work with a customer and ask the customer to describe you as opposed to you describing yourself. If you are out there looking for any kind of a VC funding, that's the feedback I would give. And it could be uh, not as technically savvy as you would describe yourself, but what the customer will describe you is will be a thousand X better than what you would describe yourself, especially if you're doing something very different from what's there in the market. That's the lessons learned, I would say. That's wisdom right there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had known this a year and a half ago. Things would have been much easier, but. Hey, a year and a half compared to never finding out or taking 15 right. years. I think 
I think I'll take one and a half years. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's switch gears and talk about you. And the way we want to do this is through a series of what I call one-line life lessons. So I'd urge you to share a few with us. And, uh, you know, these, these are personal experiences or data points that you have either come up with or have come to you at a certain point in your personal or professional life that have helped shape and define you into what you have become today. Sure. Okay, I go. The first one, uh, this is something that I use on a weekly basis. The first mm -hmm. one I would say is, you are the story that you tell yourself. You are the story that you tell yourself. Yeah. If you tell yourself, I am I'm not worthy of a certain thing because I haven't gone to a certain school or gotten a certain degree or worked at AWS or GCP or you know, insert your cool company unicorn here, or I didn't have this designation or I need to lose 10 more pounds before you know, I asked that girl out or a guy out. You are the story that you tell yourself. Love it. You are exactly where you're supposed to be because you're telling yourself that's where you are. Mm -hmm. And so help you God. I mean, it's good and bad, right? Uh, that's the, uh, I read a lot about these imposter syndromes and this is what I think of. Yeah. If you tell yourself you're an imposter, you probably are. Yeah. One. Um, the, the second one, uh, I learned from a good friend. And when I first read this, I thought, this just sounds like very hokey. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've come to realize how effective and important this is. This is think a little less and live a little more. Hmm. I think there is, this is especially true in the Valley, in the Silicon Valley, but this is true almost everywhere, is we are in this culture where you're supposed to be a thought leader. So even before leader, you're supposed to think in a certain way. So this goes back to, uh, you know, you're the story that you tell yourself if you're mm -hmm. overthinking this. And I'm not even saying overthink a little less. I'm just saying, think a little less, yeah. stop thinking and start doing. Um, I've seen that most of the times when I have a oops moment is when I've spent too much time thinking and too little time doing. Um, so thinking gets me in a lot of trouble. So I not, try not to do it. That's beautiful. Um, you know, I learned this one partially from you in business school. Hmm. Uh, learn the rules so you know how to break them. <laughs> I'm proud and I'm ashamed. Yeah. Well, I am very proud of you and I'm very proud that I've gotten here is I think I grew up wanting to always break rules and I've always broken rules and gotten into a lot of trouble. Think about this, right? Very ambitious girl in a small town Mysore in India. I did get into a lot of trouble, but I used to break rules without understanding them. I think understanding the rules gives you this powerful um, foundational element and then you can go break them and you know what levers are there to yeah. turn when things go sideways. And sometimes things do go sideways. Yeah, but your why is, 
is is the you know you figured out the why and you're okay and that's right. your motivation to break the rule right sometimes it's could be just cause yeah but you know then yeah. you know it went sideways and because yeah. you know you were not too smart about it yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know um next one for me is this is the this is the basic thesis of the first principle if you can't explain it simply you just don't understand it enough yes um it's so easy to get drawn into these complicated words and fancy new things or new gadgets new glittery shiny things that you know you, we all run after um the dopamine hits it's easy yeah. to go go there but th- for me first principles makes my life easy mm-hmm. so i we talked about this nitin um i described vendia for me is like running a bakery yeah you bake bread and you sell bread mm-hmm. so we only want to work with folks who either bake bread or sell bread ideally both yes you can boil everything down to those two functions mm-hmm. so that makes my life easier to understand uh, again this is also goes back to think a little less yeah boiling it down helps me think a little less so so i can be present in other parts of my life as well mm-hmm. not just being an entrepreneur so that's uh that's the last one but look this one i think takes the cake this is this is the quote most of these quotes are borrowed anyway uh this one is from um, roosevelt's man in the arena you know mm-hmm. it, it's a long quote but for me the credit belongs to the man or woman mm-hmm. who's actually in the arena it's it's a it's the age of the influencers it's the age of the um uh the the advocates mm-hmm. the uh, all kinds of folks who are cheering you on Mm-hmm. and it's very important that you have people when i say influencers i don't mean it negatively your right. family or is an influencer mm-hmm. you have all of these people who are cheering you on there are people who are egging you on too sure. but at the end of the day as much as we tell folks to hey don't listen to the naysayers mm-hmm. don't listen to the yesayers either yes <laughs> so i remember this this uh some mythology story that my parents made me read when i was in high school uh about the king who had this person walk behind him keep whispering in his ears that you're only a man you're only a man yeah so buying your own press mm-hmm. is is also bad so when you're in the arena when you are actually doing it just listen to yourself mm. and be with yourself and not having the outside influence guide you is very important it's especially important when you raise around and then people are just like oh that's great but when you don't raise around for 18 months then people are like oh what happened it's not it's a yesterday's unicorn it's very easy to get into this hype cycle and lose focus so uh, but having good friends around which i count you as one of them uh is also important to say hey now get off your high horse so that that helps uh, both ways so that those are my deep. those are my things that one was deep you 18 months gains you a lot of wisdom 
bottom line. Oh yeah, and a lot of sleepless nights too. Of course, I mean you're you're wearing multiple hats, right? So you're just not a mom. You're an entrepreneur. You're you know running so many ships at once, <laughs> and and doing it beautifully and with oh, great. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. it's it's this this is the most fun i've had in anything i've done and i've done some fun things but this is the most fun i've had i think i think this comes to me building is what is my calling yes. so that's what i'm going to keep doing building yeah and it seems i know it's a lot of work but it seems effortless in that sense cuz i can see the the joy the fun and the reward being able to build something and seeing those immediate returns that you see when you work with the customers so again really happy for you thank you nitin thanks i know you're a really busy person and i really appreciate you making the time to be with us today and sharing your stories and your vision for bendia we wish you continued success and of course i would continue to stay in touch and share your journey with our audience thank you nitin thank you so much for this opportunity it's been our pleasure thanks, thanks.